Macworld Podcast number 192 for March 24th, 2010. Sponsored by Macworld Super Guides. What you need to know. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Before we're completely consumed by the iPad, which will be released in just over a week, I take some time to visit with a couple of very special guests. The first is my daughter, who speaks with me about stop-motion animation, a subject near to both our hearts. After a word from Macworld Superguides, I'm joined by the Macalope, Macworld's ungulate of urbanity. The hoofed one and I discuss the state of Apple punditry, the iPad, and animal husbandry. First, stop-motion animation. Dad, I want to make movies like Wallace and Gromit. Can we do that with our Mac? Sure. What you're talking about is something called stop-motion animation. It's something where you take a picture of an object and move that object a little bit, take another picture, move it again, and, well, you just keep doing it until you have a lot of pictures. Then you put those pictures into a program like iMovie and quickly play them one after the other. And when you do that, the object looks like it's moving. What gear do we need to do it? You actually don't need a whole lot. You can do this with the iSight camera on the Mac, though the movie will look a whole lot better if you use a better camcorder. What if I want to use my digital camera? You can do that, too. You can just shoot pictures with your camera, import them into your Mac, and then bring them into iMovie. Or there are programs you can use that let you shoot directly through an attached digital SLR. That's the big camera I've got. A couple of the programs I've used are Boink Software's iStop Motion 2 and DZ's Dragon Stop Motion. If you can capture through a DV camcorder attached to your Mac, you can use a free program called Frame by Frame. All of these programs let you press a key on your Mac's keyboard to take a shot with a supported camera that's attached to your Mac. Both iStop Motion 2 and Dragon Stop Motion are professional grade tools, but they're really easy to use. Each offers a feature called onion skinning, and this shows you a semi-transparent overlay of the last frame that you shot, along with the image of the object currently in front of the camera. Using onion skinning, you can see if you've moved the object too little or too much. If you want to get fancy, you can add lights and create a stage, but really all you need to do basic stop-motion animation is a camera and something to shoot. I have a bunch of clay in my art box. Can we use that? Yeah, you can. A lot of stop-motion animation like Gumby or Wallace and Gromit use a clay-like material. The thing about clay is that if you use skinny shapes and they get warm, they can bend when you don't want them to. So if you're going to use clay and you're really serious about this stuff, you might want to make or buy something called an armature, which is a wired skeleton that will support the figure. But you have a lot of other choices. You can animate anything. If you go to YouTube, you'll see that a lot of people use Lego blocks for their animation, and other people use stuffed animals and toys. And some people even use other humans, which are pretty easy to pose, though you should find humans who are pretty patient, because this kind of animation can take a lot of time. So do we just move the objects around and take pictures of them? Mostly. You make a better-looking video if you keep a couple of things in mind. First... If you can make the lighting consistent so that all the frames are lit the same way, your movie's going to look more polished. You can get cheap tungsten work lights at Home Depot, and then you can use a sheet or white shower curtain to diffuse the light. You should also use a tripod. The movie's going to be really shaky if you try to handhold your camera, but with a tripod, the camera doesn't move, just your characters. And when moving objects, think about how they move in real life. When you walk, you don't just put one leg in front of the other. Your arms swing and your body leans as you take each step. 
Also, when you throw something, like if you're throwing a rock, for example, your arm doesn't move at the same speed. It speeds up as you're throwing the rock. So when shooting a throwing motion, you move the arm the same distance for maybe the first three shots that you take and then make the distance longer for the next three. When you play back the pictures, it will look like the motion accelerates. How long will it take to make a movie? It depends how long the movie is and how smooth you want the movement to be. Those Wallace and Gromit shorts that you like are use around 20 pictures for every second of video. If you were to use that many shots, you'd need to take 6,000 pictures for five minutes of video, and I don't think we want to do that. So we could shoot 10 pictures or frames per second and make a movie that lasts maybe 30 seconds. That's still 300 pictures, but something that we could do over a couple of days. That sounds fun. Can you stop recording the podcast so we can try it out? Okay, just let me tell the folks listening that if they want to find out more, they can read my Create Stop Motion Animation article on Macworld.com. A link to that article appears in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks, honey. Before I join the Macalope somewhere in the high plains, a word from Macworld Superguides. You spend every waking moment browsing Macworld.com. And when you find that impossible, you're crouched down with the latest issue of Macworld magazine. But there are those times when you want to dive deep into a particular subject. Digital music and video, Snow Leopard, digital photography, Mac security, Mac basics, Mac gems, or the iPhone, for example. Where to go? Macworld's Super Guides. Macworld's Total Snow Leopard is an information-packed 102-page book featuring just about everything you'll need to know about Snow Leopard, all features great and small. The book includes information to help you set up Snow Leopard smoothly and take advantage of its most important features. It'll also help you master the web with Safari 4, get email with Exchange, keep your Snow Leopard Mac secure, and increase productivity with text substitutions and the services menu. It's available in several different formats, so you can choose the one that works best for you. With our special offer link, you can have the PDF or CD-ROM version of this invaluable guide for just $9.95, for just $21.99, the printed book version is yours. That special offer link is www.macworld.com superguide offer. Macworld Superguides, what you need to know. And now the Macalo. I'm joined by a very special guest, Macworld's own Macalope, the mythical creature from whom no bloviating technology pundit is safe. The Macalope joins me from an undisclosed location, which is actually Thule Lake, California. Welcome, Macalope. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Uh, for those who aren't in the know, could you explain exactly what kind of creature you are? Well, the Macalope comes in many guises, but uh, mostly he is seen as a part man part antelope, part mech. People may be familiar with the jackalope, which is part jackrabbit and part antelope. And uh, the, that is uh, one of the macalope's cousins. Okay. The, uh, the more prolific cousin. Right. Now, uh, which part of you is, is the Macintosh? The head. Ah. The head of a head that is a, a classic mech. Shaped like a classic Mac. Right. So how much memory does your head have? Because I've seen pictures, and I don't know if they're just artists rendering from a 
trial yes. or some kind of thing. <laughs> um, but is this? Uh, do you have just the limited amount of RAM of a classic Mac, a, a few megabytes, or have, have you upgraded in some way? No, no. It's trying to. You're you're, you're thinking. You're thinking two dimensionally. Uh-huh. You need to think outside the box. I'll uh-huh. just leave it at that. Okay, thanks. There's, there's no, there are no, there are no limits. Ah, the, no theoretical, no theoretical limits. Excellent. Now, a, apart from grazing on wheatgrass and marsupials, you spend much of your time bringing a measure of reason to some wild flights of technology punditry. So, from your experience, when this punditry involves Apple, is there an extra dollop of fantasy added to the mix? Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, it seems that. For years, people have just been wildly making things up about Apple. I mean, they were going to get consumed by this company or that company during the 90s, none of which panned out. And uh, a lot of these pundits just kept continuing with the same shtick, even though they didn't realize that the the company had fundamentally changed when Steve Jobs came back. So there's there's no... uh, there's, there's nothing that, that will stop them from continuing to say whatever just happens to come into their heads. So have some of them jumped off that that train and, and, and taken up the other side? I, I seem to recall that at one time, you know, Dvorak would only slag Apple, and then every so often he'll jump back in and say something almost kind about the company. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that, you know, after, after doing it for so many years and, and realizing how wrong you are, it becomes – becomes fairly self-apparent, and, and I guess a few of them probably have changed their tone at least a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, and then we have a whole new crop of, of people who are now paying attention to the company and, and trying to slag it, and, and everything just seems to roll off of its back. Right. So what are some of the more fanciful flights you've seen reported about Apple lately? Uh, my favorite recent one is uh, Scott Moritz, who writes for thestreet.com, and uh, his, his most recent advice was that everybody should drop Apple stock like a hot potato because uh, because the company's been doing really well, but he had a, a list of reasons why he thought that it was just going to the, the stock would start would start falling that it was inevitable that the stock would fall, which you know maybe maybe that's true it, it might you know I, I mean companies don't last forever, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen within the next year at least or probably at least the next few years and why would you be advising people to get out of the company's stock right now when it seems to be going up and up again. Well, what's the percentage for these people? I mean, Apple has clearly been doing well. Is it simply about clicks? It's yes, it's about page views. I mean, that's the, that's got to be what it is. I mean, it depends on. I, I, so most of them, I think, it's about page views, and a few of them, like like Rob Enderly, I don't know. I mean, to to me, it almost seems like he's just he's just doing shtick. I mean, his his business is is working for these other companies like Dell and Microsoft. So, you know, he knows he's not going to get any business from Apple. So why not stick to their side and just you know, say whatever he wants to about, about Apple? I mean, there's no, there's no cost to him and there's only benefit. And it gets him in the newspaper because lazy reporters still turn to him because they know that he'll say something bad about Apple. Uh, right. Did you happen to follow Glenn Fleischman's Twitter conversation yes. with him. Yes, as a matter of fact, and I believe I referenced that in one of the Macroll columns recently. Um, it was kind of surprising. I mean, uh, he uh, he did not seem to think that there was anything wrong with not revealing to a reporter that he w- has actually been paid by Dell. And the reporter asked, you know, about the iPad, and uh, and he recommended several other products that uh, people should buy, including one from Dell. Right, yeah, and as as I re- recall, this course of this conversation, 
Glenn said, so what about this? And I think it took six or seven tweets before he finally said, well, actually, no, unless somebody asks. Right. Uh, which seems odd to me. I mean, there are any number of questions you would have. Right. That seems like the first thing that would come up. Oh, you want to ask me about, about that? Well, I actually, they pay me, so I wonder if, you know, maybe I shouldn't be the one that you should be talking to. But that uh, doesn't seem to bother him. Yeah, you know, and somehow I, and I, I'm not suggesting this is the case, but when I am talking to another journalist about how they're covering something, my first question is not, are you on the take? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When does that when does that question exactly come up? By the way, um, who pays you? Yeah. Exactly. Well, now clearly we need Where to start. Where did come from? Well, actually, maybe I should ask. Maybe I should ask you. Do you happen to be on the take, Magalo? Uh, I no, not to the best of my knowledge. I have I have always been pretty uh, good about trying to reveal that I have a insignificant number of Apple shares. That is uh, that is the extent of my. Uh, the extent to which my hooves are dirty. All right. All right. Now, since we're going to the trouble of dissecting others' opinions, how about some of yours? What's your take on the iPad? And does each iPad, as Steve Jobs suggests, contain a sprinkling of magic? Uh, well, I, I, like to, I like to make sure that I point out that my opinions are really no better than the, the next mythical beast's opinions. And, I mean, I can give my reasons based on my experience and my general bias towards Apple, seeing as I already do have a head shaped like a classic Mac. I'm obviously already invested in the ecosystem. Certainly. Uh, but there's two things that, uh, that attract me to the iPad, and one of them was right out of the gate when... I saw the video of Steve Jobs announcing the iPad. It was just, it was just watching how people in the video use the device. Um, sitting down across the table from somebody with it in front of you or sitting down next to somebody on the couch and having it on your lap. It seems like it's a very different device. It's a very different bunch of use cases than you have with the iPad or with a MacBook. And I think that those things are really going to bring out a lot of opportunity in terms of how the software is created and used. And I can think of, you know, playing a game across the table from somebody, you know, play chess with someone across the table. Um, and particularly for salespeople going on the field and showing somebody a presentation, just sitting down side by side. Okay. Here, here are the numbers. Here's a, you know, here's a keynote and flipping through the charts and, and that kind of thing. I think it's going to be fairly powerful. Uh, the second thing is just since the thing has been announced, the number of really good developers who are incredibly excited about it. And that really creates, that really feeds into the whole thing. And once you start getting really good applications on a device like this, it makes it so much more attractive. I mean, we've seen how the App Store has really made the iPhone and the iPod Touch uh, so much better than they would have been without it. Then, and uh, I think that's going to really make the iPad take off. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, yes, but it's really only just a large iPod Touch, which I think diminishes the thing in mm-hmm. significantly because there's nothing wrong with it having a much larger form factor because you can do right. so many more things with it. Right. It's more powerful, and it just it, there's a whole bunch of 
more there are more gestures you can use i mean if you saw the way they were using it and you know that you, you can now add menu items within the applications that do different things i mean you know just all you gotta do is look at the mail application that apple's coded it, it's a whole it's a whole different way of interacting with the software than it is on the ipod right and I, yeah and i think that you can you can say too that now that we have the iPad, you look at the iPod Touch or you look at the iPhone, and there are certain chores that we uh, perform on this thing, which are actually turn out to be kind of a pain in the neck now that, that we can say, yes, we go to something larger. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of music applications, for example. You're trying to do something very feature-rich on this little tiny screen, and it's just terrible. <laughs> now right. that you can actually expand out and have like an entire sheet mm-hmm. of uh, music or a large interface, that makes a very uh, compelling device. And games, too. Right. Now, I understand that it may be difficult to operate with hooves, but are you planning to get an iPad, and if so, which model? Yeah, it is kind of a royal pain, but frankly, it's no harder than using that hockey puck mouse that Apple had about 10 years ago. So it's just a... It uh, comes with the territory. But, yes, I am planning on getting an iPad. It's actually already been ordered. Um, I just got the base model. Uh, I struggled with the 3G connectivity and i at first thought i was i was going to do that but when i thought about it i think what i really want um ubiquitous connectivity for is my macbook pro as opposed to the ipad so for starters at least i'm going to try the the base model and then you know maybe consider getting the 3g was getting another 3g and and uh handing the the base model down to somebody in the family right oh so you have a family oh yes Little macalopes running here and there. It's a it's a it's a zoo. Real and, and are that, how do you characterize a, a a group of young macalopes? Is it a herd or a pod or a? Hmm. <laughs> I, I should know this, uh, but I, I would have to consult um, uh, uh, the bestiary to make sure that I get I get it correct. So I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I, as the only one, I I sort of thought. Well, actually, I thought you were the only one, and apparently not. No, no, it's, that's a popular misconception. Ah, oh, I see. All right. Um, now, <laughs> it's, it gets awfully lonely up on the high plains. So ah, yes. Uh, you know, don't judge. No, no, I, I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm just. Is well, maybe this is a little too personal, but is it? Uh, can you breed with other species, or do you have to find another macaulay? No, well. <laughs> Let's, let's leave some of it up to the imagination. <laughs> all right. Fair let's enough. Let's not ruin all the magic. All right. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of magic, uh, Microsoft and its boss, Steve Ballmer. <laughs> that, was, that was a segue. Yeah, it was slick, wasn't it? Uh, make an occasional appearance in your column and usually to their disadvantage. Yet it seems to me that Microsoft has lost some of its luster as Mac users' public enemy number one. And Google now seems to be taking that place. So, of the two, which is really keeping us down? I don't think, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's really keeping Apple down. I mean, they seem to be doing pretty well, despite the best efforts of, of, of the, both of these companies. Microsoft's just much more fun to make fun of, I think. Um, they seem to be uh, constantly tripping over their comically large clown shoes. And, I mean, I think to a certain degree recently they've gotten their footing back. Uh, I think Windows 7 is obviously a big improvement over Vista and this new phone OS, which it still has not seen the light of day in reality. Uh, 
does seem to have at least a, a takes it has a different take on the smartphone than a lot of the, the competition. I mean, it seems like since Apple came out with the iPhone, so many other companies were just scrambling to try to mimic the iPhone, and Microsoft has actually done at least something different. Uh, we'll see if it actually translates into being popular with consumers, but at least they at least they thought outside of the box that Apple put everybody in three years ago. And to me, Google, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Google was actually more of a partner to Apple mm-hmm. than a competitor. And ultimately, it seems like Google needs to remember what business they're really in, which is selling ads. And you know, Android is really more of a platform for for the, their other business than it is a platform and it's not really a money maker. Mm-hmm. It's like Android in and of itself is not going to make them any money. It's it's as a platform for the rest of their stuff that it's going to make them money. So, and they can do that on any, they could really do that on any, and do do that on any device. So, in, if they aren't careful, they're going to start ignoring what's their core, what their core business is. Right. And I, and I have to wonder if, if a lot of this isn't, that Mac users seem to need to have an enemy of some kind. And uh, and I have to wonder, isn't Apple big enough now that we can all kind of let go of that and stop feeling like the underdogs? Yeah, we should. We should. It's it's also just fun <laughs> to have an enemy. I mean, it's I think it's human nature. Everybody, nobody needs to have an enemy, but we sure like having one. And this is a, it's not life or death. It's just technology. It's more like sports. So, you know, as much as you like to root against your your most your most dreaded team it's the same thing with with microsoft i don't think people i don't think mac users these days really have any kind of an axe to grind against google and to the degree that microsoft starts you know if they keep fumbling uh we won't really have a very good enemy because google Google doesn't really make a very good enemy yeah and i think it's uh in the case of microsoft I think the press, going back to pundits again, certainly help um, mm-hmm. with the new phone system coming out from Microsoft. Already we're talking about, well, here's the iPhone killer, and, and the OS isn't even out yet. Right. Yeah. At the same time, I think a lot of pundits are also uh, rooting for Microsoft to fail just because they've been on top for so long. And they love these stories. I mean, they love the, the rise and fall. I mean, somebody's just dying to write that book. Yeah, the yeah. Rise and fall of Microsoft. Yeah, and I think there's certainly a class of pundits who want to see Apple fail, um, mm. either because they've dealt oh, with yeah. <laughs> they've dealt with Apple PR for a long time and said, "Ah, now here's my chance to get back at you," or, or dealt with Apple fans for so long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've I found that in, that whenever I tell people what I do, who are not really in the business, who are Windows users, they sort of flinch, waiting for me to start <laughs> in on the speech. <laughs> and I don't just, know if, to pull out the pamphlets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if if out there in the, the high plains. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you, when you run into other creatures? Do you get that oh, kind yes. of reaction? Yes. Well, one of the uh, the Macalope frequently runs into the Winotar, mm. who is his, his uh, Microsoft counterpart. So, you know, we have a we have a pretty good pretty good rivalry going on. It, uh, where did you find the Winotar? He works in corporate IT. Oh, I see. 
So he came by your office one day, and, and he's always yeah he's that he's always there. He's that guy you have to go to to get you know to get connected to the network. And then he sort of frowns because you have a Mac, and you know, you know that guy. I, I do know that guy. Um, I've tried uh, dealing with him simply by giving him donuts, but <laughs> that usually that works. Donuts and coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some some Ethernet cables. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was—I thought that was very generous of you to start bringing him into your column. Yeah, and 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 fun too, because <laughs> <laughs> he's so unaware. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It seems to be so. Not, he's not filled with self-awareness. Yeah. So uh, before we leave you, generally, how is Apple doing? How does the future look? Uh, are all the pundits suddenly going to turn around and say? Gosh, you're right. Apple really is a perfectly fine company. No, we'll just they'll give never, up. They'll never, they'll never do. There's no price for them. There's no price. They never pay a price. I mean, we have these these people who have been congenitally wrong about Apple for years, and they're still gainfully employed. So, you know, they'll keep they'll keep saying what they say. Uh, I think Apple's doing very well. Obviously, I mean, their stock price is is like a two twenty five now. I think something like that. So, which is pretty amazing, and. Obviously, they have a great product set. They've got some stable, long, you know, I mean, like the iPod, which is starting to peter out. You know, that business is starting to peter out just a little bit because everybody, I think, people are more moving towards playing music on their phones and that kind of thing. So, but the the iPhone is still going up and up. And now they have, they're launching the iPad and they seem to be pretty, uh, pretty good at turning around and, you know, as one thing is tailing off, picking up with something else. The question is, you know, what what they're going to do from here. It seems like we've we've got we've got a lot of the things that we kept talking about through the '90s, and you know, uh, I wonder what the what the next thing will be. But I'm sure they they have they have much bigger brains working for them on this kind of thing than than I have in in my my Mac head. Right. Well, is there anything in particular that you want from Apple now? I, some people are saying, "Oh, I really want that mini tower," which I think will never ever happen. Yeah, I, I don't think that that doesn't seem like a good business. I mean, that the, they're making so much on the iMacs right now. I mean, that's really the kind of the bread and well, the the laptops are really the bread and butter of the Mac line. But the, as far as the desktop line goes, it seems like the iMac is really where the the action is. They they're still sort of sl- slow to deliver a solid update to the to the Mac Pro, it, just because it doesn't seem like they're selling that many of them anymore. So I don't think they would. I, I doubt they would get into that, to that line. Yeah. And people always, people still ask for, a, a smaller, cheaper laptop. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, with the iPad coming out, I really doubt that they're going to see that. I guess with the, you know, the one thing that they could be, thinking about doing is moving more of the multi-touch stuff into, uh, the Mac line, mm-hmm. and just more of the the sort of stream down interface into the into the Mac line. And maybe you'd get something that's sort of a hybrid between an iPad and and a MacBook. Well, I think one of the rumors going around earlier this year was an iMac that had a touchscreen, which mm-hmm. sounded painful to me. Exactly. That's, I don't see how that I don't see how that works without a lot of um, corrective surgery later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know that you want to have your your hand out at a ninety degree yeah. angle much of the much of the day. Yeah, the uh, the what, what was the, the Minority Report interfaces looks good in the movie, but does, in practice. Yeah, well, as long as you're standing up, 
and and you have those heated gloves because I think the uh-huh. I think the, the heating element within it is what really makes it work. Because otherwise, Tom Cruise halfway through is is whining about, "Ow, no, I can't pick that gun up. My wrist hurts." <laughs> And that doesn't look good. Nobody likes that. No, no. So where can our listeners go to take in more of your thoughts? Uh, well, Macworld.com, of course. I'm on Macworld.com every Saturday morning. Um, and uh, I also have a website at Macalope.com where I post my other rantings occasionally. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Macalope. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast, sponsored by Macworld Superguides, what you need to know. I'd like to thank my daughter, the Macalope, and of course you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPad, iPhone, and technology news, views, and information at Macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time.